everybody. Welcome back. Happy Skews Day to you. It's October 3rd, 2023. I'm Trey Crower. That's Mark A.G. How you doing, Mark? Oh, just laughing at the demise mm-hmm. of... Uh, we're talking about a couple circuses today. Uh, the Trump's trial in New York, and uh, which is ongoing, and uh, Kevin McCarthy... It's going to take a while to explain, but we're going to be doing an obituary for his political career. But first, let's do an obituary for Diane Feinstein, who uh, died late last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a long national nightmare of her staffers wheeling her around Capitol Hill doing elder abuse. They didn't have to update their LinkedIn's, look for new jobs. Is finally over. I uh, she was in Congress in the Senate for like. 30 some years and before that and like local politics in San Francisco. So like it's a long, complex life, public life. And the hagiographies I'm seeing written about, like I've seen more honest, like eulogies given by loved ones at a funeral surrounded by other loved ones. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that like everything she did was bad, but you, want, you just want to walk through like a little bit of her legacy real quick. Okay. Yeah. So she became mayor in San Francisco after Harvey Milk was assassinated. Mm-hmm. All right. She's the one who found his body. And that led to her like becoming like a, a passionate advocate for gun control. Right. She had personal experience with gun death. But also, I don't think people realize she was Harvey Milk's political opponent because she was kind of a conservative Democrat for San Francisco at that time. Harvey Milk was a, uh, you know, w- w- happened to be gay. Right. He's the first. Yeah. Right. Um, if, if you guys don't are familiar with that. So like. When she became mayor, like she vetoed same-sex benefits for like like domestic partner benefits for city employees. This is in the middle of the AIDS crisis, and I imagine the health insurance could have come in handy for a lot of people. Um, In the Senate, like when she was mayor, she repeatedly brought it up before she repeatedly raised the Confederate flag over City Hall for reasons I don't know, and then had a guy in San Francisco. Yes, Um, because (laughs) she was trying to she was trying to pivot to the center. She was trying to like be like get get a national profile, and this is what you do. Like Gavin uh, Gavin Newsom's doing it now. It's like just typical centrist stem bullshit. But like, like then you know, like she one of her biggest career accomplishments is she pushed for like revealing uh, CIA torture under the Bush administration. That's good, but also she had a personal beef for the CIA because they had hacked her emails. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's not clear how much of that was the right thing. It was definitely the right thing to do, but how much of the motivation was the right thing versus like, you know, getting revenge on people that had personally fucked with her. She also was like a huge supporter of the NSA. So she wasn't against people reading our emails, just her emails. So like, yeah, I, I just like, like, I just like these people are in public service. They work for us. Right. You don't have to suck up to them. Right. Just right. Like, yeah. And also just like the general, political culture of this country like you serving politics in this country if you want to get into politics in the first place at that level the type of person that generally attracts for the most part and then that person spends 30 years in politics in this country and the way it's all shifted and stuff like that like mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty spotty at the end of the day like the the track record i feel like that's kind of just yeah. the nature of the game you know and a lot of these people are not you know um they're not angels you know what i mean but uh, she uh obviously she had a good run they, and they don't have you know. to be. I don't expect anybody right. who came, who came a political age. And when Ronald Reagan was governor of California to believe, be some flaming hippie, but as far as like our general political environment, like uh, California is a very safe seat for a Democrat. You could elect like an right. honest to God progressive as opposed to Diane Feinstein who like voted more conservatively than John Tester is a Democrat from Montana, you know? Um, so they, they just like, they could have always just replaced her with somebody who, was more comfortable like speaking for progressive progressive causes causes and pulling the whole senate to the left right um to help more people but like uh, so i 
Newsom uh, appointed a woman by the name of Alfonso Butler to replace her. She's the first uh, black lesbian in the Senate. Um, he also bumblefucked that because it turns out she doesn't live in California anymore. She's a former political advisor for Kamala Harris, who has been living in Maryland for the past few years, working for Emily's List. I haven't heard anything bad about her. She seems very nice. And like Newsom had made this promise to appoint a, uh, a black woman, which uh well and good because california probably has i don't know like three million black women and every single one of them is probably smarter than tommy tuberville um (laughs) so low bar but yeah yeah but like he also did the thing where he was trying to appoint someone to only serve out the rest of the term so like i'm gonna appoint a black woman but immediately make her a token because she's gonna be replaced in a year and a half when there's the next election people are already running in the in the primary so so it's like she could she could run right like i mean she could yeah, he, he changed his mind. Job. He changed his mind to extract to, to not extract that promise. Maybe it's a handshake deal, which were to not interfere okay. in the primary that's already ongoing. That maybe she it, it said she didn't even want to run for the full term. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. But like, uh, uh, anyway, we got a maybe an honest to god left winger representing California. So that's that's the good. But um, I also want to mention um, another development with uh, besides Diane Feinstein, another uh, dead gangster, uh, Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Yeah, what is going on with this? I saw that they they finally they you know they made an arrest in the Tupac murder case, and I didn't really read into it or whatever. I was like, well, that's wild. But you were in the group chat. You were saying like this dude has been around the case ever since it happened, and they've yes. like he's written books about it, and it's like they he's repeatedly just confessed they just to dick. it. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So what? Uh, like, what is what? What's happening? Why now? So, sometimes following the news closely, you feel like you're being gaslit because people are pretending to discover things you've known for a long time. So, like, like the, even the news, like the New York Times, let me read this sentence to you. The Friday arrest of Dwayne Keith Davis in connection with Shakur's killing is a, is a step in solving one of hip-hop's greatest tragedies and longest mysteries. It's never been a fucking mystery. It's a scandal. The cops couldn't solve it because they were worried about discovering police chicanery. We'll get to that in a second, right? But oh. you... You asked me why now, and the the an- closest thing I'd find her to answer is uh, Davis, who he goes by his street name street, na- street name's Keefy D. I'm just going to call him his, by his street name because it's a uh, it's the name he chose, and also it's more fun than saying Keith Davis. Yes, Keefy D. Uh, so Keefy D went on uh, a YouTube show hosted by this like pr- personality named DJ Vlad and confessed to it over again. And I guess cops saw the YouTube video. Um, he was promoting a book that's been out for a while. He wrote called Compton Street Legend that he also con- uh, confessed to providing the gun used in the shooting. In we, I think I mentioned they served a warrant in, uh, on key, uh, on this case that which turns out to have been Keefy D's house. And one of the things they confiscated was his book, which you could I looked it up. You can get it for sixteen bucks on Amazon or nine ninety nine for the Kindle. So they could have saved the warrant effort and the gas money and just fucking <laughs> bought the book. And like this guy has been so well known. As one of the assailants, the things we've known since, uh, you know, 1996, seven, seven, yeah, whatever it was, uh, everybody was in Vegas for the Tyson fight. All right. Tupac and Suge Knight and a couple other guys jumped a bunch of rivals. Uh, Suge Knight was blood affiliated. So was Tupac by association. Keefy D and his nephew, Orlando Baby Lane uh, Anderson were, were, were Crips. Uh, Baby Lane and some of his boys had jumped in front of Tupac outside of Death Row's offices and stolen a chain from him a few weeks earlier. So the mm-hmm. beat, uh, Tupac beating him up was retaliation for that. Yeah, they, they apparently, the story's always been, just went and got a gun and came back and found Tupac and shot him dead. All right? Very straightforward. So straightforward 
every true crime thing, like US, USA Network made a true crime series a few years back with Josh Duhamel in it, where they showed these guys doing the killing. You cannot libel a living person. So they, they convinced USA's lawyers this case was pretty buttoned up. Did the cops not watch the USA show? Also, Keefe D's had a kill Tupac section on his Wikipedia for like <laughs> Wikipedia went up. Okay, but so uh, I get I get that he went on okay, he went on YouTube and but like I don't know, just the right the right or wrong cop saw that and they were like, okay, enough's enough. Like I still what's the like you know, what's their motivation? They got some like scandal brewing or something. They're looking for like good PR or something like that. Like, hey, let's, let's well, do a good thing. And I mean, take the focus off of something else or. It's been almost 30 years. So most of the cops who would have been involved in investigating at the time or been wrapped up in, in the Suge Knight's orbit or whatever have, have pensions. They're gone. That'd be my guess for why they're willing to solve it now. You got to remember how crazy L.A. was in the, in the, in the 90s. All right? right. Like I mean, people, you tie all these things together, like the O.J. trial. Rodney King, um, O.J. Rodney King, yeah, O.J. And all that stuff. All the beatings and stuff. But like yeah. no one trusted cops. And it wasn't just because they were racist because there were there were blood, literally bloods and crips in the L.A.P.D. Right. Like not, not like they were taking payoffs. They were doing that, too. But I mean, they were jumped in gang members who then joined the police force because it's a sweet gig if you like cracking heads. Right. Uh, and so like uh, so like a bunch of like LAPD off off duty LAPD were working security for death row records. They were hanging out there all the time. You would think of how a trial would go with all these cops in the orbit of these people who are both murderers and murder victims. All right. It just would not look good. Like, uh, let me let me read this from this story. This is a story from 1997 after Biggie was killed. The cops seized a car um, they thought was used in the drive-by. And remember, pretending that nobody knows who killed Biggie is always also crazy, too, because he was killed in front of 600 people at a party, right? And in L.A. traffic, a guy drove by and still was able to get away. So they, they impounded this car. They found it in the garage of, wait for it, Keefe D. All right? What? <laughs> right. The same guy? Yes. So the cops zeroed in on this guy is like, I don't know, the Forrest Gump of dead rappers. They definitely never <laughs> came with this. But let me read from this quote from the same story about the found a car in Keefe D's garage. Several law enforcement agents may have witnessed the slaying, including one off-duty Inglewood police officer working security for the rap star's entourage. The officer uh, chased the assailant's vehicle after the shooting and helped escort members of the entourage to the hospital, but may have fled the scene without reporting his observations about the shooting to investigators. So, like, this all smells very weird. Why would an off-duty cop who's working, like, who's not doing anything wrong, working off-duty security at a high-profile fancy party, flee the scene of a murder? You know what I'm saying? And right. then, like, enter this L.A. cop by the name of Russell Poole, who's a fascinating guy. He worked on the, uh, the Biggie Task Force. Um, <laughs> he... <laughs> Talk about how shady everything around this looks. He was called in after he retired. He left the department to write books about how he became sort of conspiracy theorist. He thought the police were involved in the murder of Biggie because he ran into nothing but like bureaucratic, like uh, people throwing up roadblocks to try to, if he felt like people were trying to stop the case from being solved. Uh, he went in to talk about reopening as a cold case and died suddenly in the police station. <laughs> I don't think anything weird happened there, but if you're a person who thinks that people get up to weird shit, that looks like looks Epstein-esque, right? Oh yeah. And part of what drove Poole crazy is one of his first big cases, he investigated a shooting where a cop killed another cop, like on purpose. Uh it's not really clear what happened. This guy named Frank Liga killed an officer named Kevin Gaines. Uh that USA did 
did series depicted it as a, a as a road rage thing gone wrong while they were on duty. Another one knew the other one was a cop. They just one flashed a gun at the other, another one shot him. I don't know what the truth is. Uh, Liga got off. Um, he, he, his self defense claim held up, but after that, <laughs> he was he was under investigation again after a pound of cocaine that he had booked into evidence went missing. It turns out another cop had stolen it to get Liga in trouble. Liga in trouble's revenge for the Gaines murder. So, one of the ways in which corruption costs, one reason to complain about police is not because I don't want them to solve crimes. This case could have been solved 30 years ago if they weren't afraid of being embarrassed coming right. the OJ case and the, uh, and, and the Rodney King beating and shit. But they did not want to find out because they're worried. Because you imagine if you're, you're a good cop, say you're a major or a commander, you know, a chief or whatever, and you want things to go well, and you're seeing all these things happen. And you're like, a cop killed another cop. We're investigating this one guy for two different murders or two different rappers. None of them are connected. The cops apparently believe in a conspiracy theory that Puff Daddy paid that both of them murdered or whatever. And you're like, remember the end of Burn After Reading when J.K. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons' character is like, well, what do we learn? I guess you learn not to do it again. <laughs> Fuck if I know what we did. Yeah, That's right. essentially LAPD's <laughs> response to all this shit going on. Anyway, this is why I want honest policing so they can actually solve cases. Tupac's been now been dead long. He's been alive. And they finally got arrested around a guy who confessed to it on Wikipedia. So there we go. <laughs> So, but just to backtrack a little bit, that same guy though, Keefy D, mm-hmm. also was involved with Biggie's death. I don't think so. But he I, had I, a, he ha, ha, he had a car that that they thought was involved. The car used in the drive-by shooting uh, shooting the killer. Oh, okay, but it, it, it doesn't. It wasn't proved to be the case. No, the okay. best case best case scenario is. Uh, Somebody paid a hitman that used to be in the Nation of Islam is the best working theory. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's is all. It's thirty years ago. It's like I, I don't even know what what, what comes of putting Keefe D in prison at this point. Uh, he's sixty years old. So whatever. And justice for yeah. Tupac, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Papa called Keefe D is wild. Like people used to always, you know, like predict that one day. You know what I mean? Like in the nineties and the rap game and all this. Like you know, we're gonna have Papa's one day bumping nothing but a G thing and stuff like that, or being referred to as Keefy D. So we're getting there. Of course, you know where I'm from. There's Papa's called uh, Cornbread and, uh, yeah. you know, they're, Scooter and things like that. So they were playing, they were playing <laughs> Ice Cube. They were playing Ice Cube as a bump out music for Monday Night Football last night, buddy. It's already happened. Yeah. Well, I remember during the, uh, and I know we need to move on, but like in the Super Bowl when Dre and then, Dre and Snoop and Eminem and then did that whole thing, I saw somebody tweet. It was like, uh, you know, it's like, why is that for the Super Bowl every year? They always pick like some, you know, old legendary acts. You know what I mean? Like the Stones or Prince or like Red Hot Chili Peppers or something for old people. Why don't they get something for young people? It's like, oh, Dre and Snoop's like, oh, great. Finally, it's oh, shit. No, you know, like, yeah. Dre's first act, a world class wrecking crew. They, around, they were they started DJing in the 70s. So, yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, let's get into it with us. As always, this is producer Matt. This is Weekly Skews. I want to remind y'all before we continue of a couple things. We'll try to make it quick. Number one, if you'd like to see me perform live, go to TreyCrowder.com. Thanks to everybody who came out to the Lexington Opera House on Friday. That was a ton of fun. I'll be in Washington State next week. Then uh, Carolina's after that. Boston, Phoenix, Chicago, San Francisco, Lowell, Arkansas, and Nashville the rest of this year. Going to have 2024 20, dates coming soon. Go to TreyCrowder.com. Come and see me. Uh, number two, me and Corey's book around here and over yonder is available now. People are digging it. It's very funny. It's a travel guide. It's a, a, a laugh riot, some are saying. Some smart people are saying. I don't know if you've heard, but you can get that at TreyCrowder.com too or just wherever you get books at. There's also an audio book version, which we read. Very fun. 
Uh, and then lastly, if you enjoy this program and would like to show your support, you can do so by signing up on Patreon. You go to weeklyskews.com slash more or look, go on Patreon and look me up. Either way works. $5 a month gets you access to full-length bonus episodes. We're going to record another one later this week. We do two a month, cover things we don't get to, things that come up in between Skews days, just stuff we want to talk about. It's a lot of fun. You get extra uh, extra material and support the show in the process. So, yeah, check it out. Sign up on there. Get some more Skews in your life. Now, as for the show tonight, we are talking about the first – well, I guess I don't know if it is the first. One of the first of one of the very many of Trump's big days in court he's going to have coming up over the coming years. This one is a quarter-billion-dollar frog case in New York. They're aiming to take everything from him and kick him out of the storied city. We'll see how that's going. Then later, of course, Kevin McCarthy, you may have heard, had his face eaten by the Leopards Eating Faces Party, which he previously was one of the chairs of. Shocked Pikachu face, everybody. We'll break down what the hell happened there and what's going to happen in the future. But first, the Daily Dumbass, Matt, graphic. Tonight's DD, Trump again for not also being afraid of sharks with electric powers. What? This is better than the whale thing from last week. ...down, and that boat's going down, and I'm on top of a battery. And the water starts flooding in. I'm getting concerned. But then I look 10 yards to my left, and there's a shark over there. So I have a choice of electrocution or shark. You know what I'm going to take? Electrocution. I will take electrocution every single time. Do we agree? All right, so I will take electrocution. Wouldn't everyone take electrocution or be eaten by a shark? Mark, you don't think you could take a shark? I think no. you could whoop a shark's ass. They say you punch them. Yeah, so you know, yeah. everybody knows. We've all heard that. It's funny that there's like, there are things out there like that that like it seems like everyone has heard that no one is ever going to need to use for the most part. And that's one of them. <laughs> it's like punch a sh- Everybody, every American knows, every American male at least knows, punch mm. a shark in the nose. You got a chance, you know, yeah. uh, but Americans yeah. by and large are terrible at uh, like risk evaluation. Like we'll, we'll, we'll worry about like, we'll carry a gun into a Walmart and know where all the exits are, but not like eat broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what the hell is, what's he actually talking about here? Does anybody know? Oh, uh, they've zeroed in the context of the writer strike and the green new deals. I mean, sorry, the, the auto worker strike and the green new deal stuff. They've zeroed on the real target, the real problem being electric vehicles, which he's pivoted in his brain. He's talking about how he wouldn't want to ride an electric boat because if it sinks, he, he's talking about this repeatedly. He's afraid if the boat sinks, she'll get electrocuted, which <laughs> is not true. Uh, so that's what he's talking right, about. It's just like, like, okay, we're talking about, but he made it about boats, but in terms of electric cars, people talk about they like, oh, they explode or but what if they take mm. over and ride off a bridge and all this stuff? And it's like, you have a much greater chance of just getting killed than your regular ass car or truck anytime you're on the road, right? Like, any, like just driving in, like in mm-hmm. traffic, like they'll drive every day. Like driving itself isn't dangerous, but you can't drive a battery powered car because zip zap you know, common hippie stuff or whatever. Yeah. So, if you drive, if you drive into a river, you're going to uh, get the electric chair. If you drive uh, into a river, you're very likely fucked either way. You know what I mean? That's, that's mm-hmm. the other thing too. Like don't, don't drive into rivers. Don't drive off bridges. I don't care if you got a battery in the car or not. Uh, anyway. Talk about being bad at risk analysis. Uh, one of my wife, wife's uh, big nightmares is like driving into a, a river and then drowning. Yeah. Uh, so she got a flick thing on your keychain that I guess if you press against a car window, it's spring lo- it's spring loaded to break the window so you can get out. We live in Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> no rivers. Yeah. No rivers. The Los Angeles River is this big. 
It's a, it's a yeah. puddle driving in the middle of like a big culvert or whatever. It's uh, uh, famous for how tiny it is, in fact. Yeah. If you've seen Terminator 2, the big chase scene with, with the big river yeah. through, through the L.A. That's River. That's the L.A. It's River, a, it's yeah. It's a concrete aqueduct. All right. So, uh, so let's talk about Trump's legal issues for a second because his trial started yesterday in New York for this uh, like civil the civil trial over uh, the fraud case being brought by the New York Attorney General. And it's an absolute fucking circus. The judge already ruled last week for summary judgment on like the big count. Now they're just haggling over what the penalty is going to be, basically. He's been showing up to court, um, even though he didn't have to, which is against, which seems weird, unless you know the fact that uh, he's supposed to be doing a two day deposition. Uh, uh, he skipped two days of deposition in his uh, uh, case against his ex lawyer, Michael Cohen. He was just an excuse to get out of doing a deposition. So I twist it so well uh, with all the court, like the former president has so many different, like various, you know, court proceedings mm-hmm. going on that he's like using one of them to get out of others. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, like you said, go to your circus. prison if I'm in another prison. Yeah. You right. Think, right. Yeah. Uh, so what this is about is doing like inflating like numbers related to his property real estate various real estate properties to get like better loans and better terms from banks like for example his like trump tower penthouse is ten thousand square feet which is pretty big and sounds awesome but he said it was thirty thousand square feet and that's just a thing you can measure you can't really lie about and he was doing this according to all the court documents but testimony from his former employees because he wanted to get on the forbes list he just wanted to be on a list of cool rich people yeah so, like he lied about all this stuff very, very um big. And just the fact that he would lie about, I mean, you know, he lied about anything to make himself sound like he hits harder. Like I get Mm -hmm. that he's doing it for an actual result, more money from a bank or whatever, but it's also just perfectly in keeping with his character just to do that anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, so it's also really weird stuff. Like according to tax estimates, Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million. It was a few years ago, which sounds low to me, but yeah. It's also like subject to various land use, like restrictions, like zoning laws. Like you couldn't just turn it into a resort because he's to, to lower his tax bill. He's done stuff like declare it a private club, not a personal residence. Who's so just living at a club that he technically doesn't own or some shit. So I don't know. But anyway, he says it's worth a billion dollars, which is not worth a billion. But it's also probably worth more than 18 million. But if you can't if you can't build on a property, it just is what it is. It might be 18 million. Right. Anyway, he says it's worth a billion because let me quote here from his testimony. He, he said that he could uh, it's worth whatever he wants to be worth because he can quote find a buyer from Saudi Arabia to pay any price he suggests, which is not the defense you think it is, buddy. Right. Uh, he's essentially saying I can go get a bribe. So it's, of course it's worth a billion. Right. Um, <laughs> he also, he posted a, a sketch of him sitting in court next to Jesus, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is like, oh, so funny. Yeah, if you got the picture, it's pretty. Yeah, wild put it up there. Right? It, it doesn't hilarious. even look like Jesus. It looks like a like Dave Mustaine or something. <laughs> but it, which is kind of weird because this actually is a more faithful representation of Trump than these people usually do. Like I'm, assu- right. I mean, I'm assuming this is one of his MAGA lunatics who made this. Obviously, it's like mm-hmm. added to the pantheon of you know uh, Trump being a fucking. Uh, you know, savior rock star or whatever that they love to picture him as. But usually in these, he's mm-hmm. like shredded. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> or sort of holding an AK-47 or something. That actually kind of looks like him. So then it's right. funny that they uh, they bumbled the Jesus part. But, you know, got to have white Jesus, Mark. You can't have like period accurate Jesus. White yeah, Jesus but- must for this piece. 
But Jesus died at 33, and that looks like Jesus at 46, so I'm very, also very confused about it. <laughs> well, he's been aged by what his, uh, you know, his <laughs> champion is having to go through here, all right? Yeah. And Trump's like, so, I'm just like Jesus, and he really thinks that. Uh, because Trump's involved, it's got to be really clownish and incompetent. So, like, he like he was complaining about not getting a jury trial and how unfair it was. He's got a bench trial with just a judge, judge involved, but his own lawyer that he, I guess, isn't paying didn't turn on the forum to get a jury trial or didn't check a box or something. Um, his lawyers have done a real bang up job. If you have to pull up this, uh, this uh, image from the courtroom, Matt, if you got this picture of Alina Haba, she's using a game. You can't see it's blocked out because of her thing, but she's using a gaming computer. Like she brought the computer. She uses to play like Fortnite or Skyrim uh, to court. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably a good rig, you know, nice yeah. powerful. He also, Less than two days in the trial, he bumblefucked himself into a gag order because he went on Truth Social and attacked uh, the judge's name, Judge Ingeron. The judge's clerk, uh, he posted a link to her Instagram and called her Chuck Schumer's girlfriend because I guess somebody scrolled down and found an old pic of her taking a picture with Chuck Schumer. It's New York City politics, man. I'm not sure. Like 50,000 people probably have a picture with Chuck Schumer. Uh, but anyway, he's not supposed to talk about the case anymore. So he's, of course, immediately going to violate that. He got McDonald's delivered to court, like six bags of McDonald's yesterday. Um, <laughs> then he went to another fast food joint after court and delivered this amazing rant to the cashier. If you got this video, Matt, like where he's just complaining about how unfair the judge is and how racist the attorney general is to a group of kids who are just trying to get happy meals or something. Right. The whole yeah. thing's fucking bizarre. He's got like two 11 year olds in front of him who seem pretty confused for a good yeah. reason whenever mm-hmm. uh matt gets this brought but it's also the the he's he's going against a judge because he fucked up the jury thing right and mm-hmm. he's and actively antagonizing the judge and her staff and their staff on uh social media and stuff it's mm-hmm. just classic galaxy brain shit all right matt edit like real death of empire kind of shit. I do want to say one of the reasons I want to talk about this is like, it feels like our institutions are finally standing up for themselves. Like for one, Joe Biden gave a pretty good speech over the weekend where he talked about the need to save democracy and why democracy is important, which is feels dumb to say, I need to say out loud, but I guess a lot of people have forgotten because they've only lived under democracy. But um, he for the first time he used Trump's name uh, directly as a threat to democracy. So it seems like he's getting into campaign mode, which is good. Uh, do you remember last week you talked about how Trump threatened Mark Milley's life? Yeah. Okay. Well, turns out that was because of a misunderstanding. He threatened the wrong guy's life. What <laughs> happened was CNN called him up and said they had confirmation on the record from one of his former close advisors that all the stuff he was rumored to have said about not wanting to have disabled veterans in his eyeline or, say, going yeah. to visit a, a, a cemetery for American troops in France. Like, he didn't want to go because they were all fucking losers. Losers, they yeah. They're losers. They gross him out. Yeah. Like, he yeah. prefers guys that don't get captured, all that shit yeah so, the so they called up trump and said we have somebody on the record saying saying they can confirm you said all this stuff and he goes like he runs to his head who heard me say all that stuff he goes mark milley i'm gonna kill him and then, <laughs> so it's like a weird confirmation as a denial and he said it all right yeah because it turns right. out it was john kelly his longest serving uh chief of staff is of course a former marine general 
And so John Kelly just went on the record because he was so offended by Trump threatening Martin Milley's life after it was actually him that uh, confirmed this. He said, here's here's him on Trump. He called Trump a person that is nothing but contempt for democratic institutions, our constitution, and the rule of law. There is nothing more that can be said. God help us. And after reading Kelly's (laughs) remarks, this retired Army major general named Paul Eaton, who's a key advocate for veteran voting, a really big dude in those circles, released a video he recorded two years ago when he first heard these stories, where he said, who could vote for this traitor Trump? And he urged veterans to vote Democratic because our country's honor depends on it. All right, so like, between the... The court system standing up to Trump, not the gag order today. Biden actually saying, "Fuck it, we actually have to make this case explicit." And the mil- and the military. We, we talked about before how weirdly Democrats won the military vote this last time. I that this feels like okay, maybe people are figuring out how dangerous this means. Well, they've only is. continued to like antagonize them further since then. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like we uh-huh. talked about. If I don't remember if it's a Patreon episode or a main episode, but like they and I made a video about it. But like they're always insulting the troops and talking about how queer and woke they are and stuff and all the shit with uh-huh. Tuberville and everything and not getting all that stuff with Trump. It's like they're they're like actively, but that's what they do. We talked about that a ton too. It's like they just take turns adding more demographics of Americans to the list of people that they actively antagonize (laughs) just in service of their one very narrowly defined base that they have. And it's just, it just seems, I don't understand why they don't understand that that's not a good long-term strategy generally. Yeah. It It was was Muslims for, it was Muslims for 20 years. Now it's not just Muslims. It's uh, gays, transgenders, FBI agents, the military, Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, like courts. Uh, it's like like the, the America's enemy enemy list can never gets shorter. Apparently, so yeah. Right. Uh, we're running way behind. You want to skip the rest? Of the, the last small dumbasses and just get into the Kevin McCarthy stuff because it's uh, yes. But I just want to say very quickly that apparently, just summarizing one of them. Uh, so Trump called Nikki Haley a bird brain, and then at, uh-huh. the next day she woke up and outside of her hotel room, the Trump campaign had put a bird cage outside of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny with a note that says from Trump campaign on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, had you He's ever a, said about you? Yeah. It's a clown right? <laughs> all the way down. Let's talk yeah. about one of the senior clowns who's still in government, uh, still in government, sort of, even though he lost his main gig, Kevin McCarthy. Play this video. Yeah. Matt. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. All right. So what we what we predicted was going to happen, I thought it would happen way sooner, honestly, back when Kevin McCarthy made his deal to become Speaker, which allowed one person to make a motion to vacate. Right. So Matt, Matt Gates made the motion, which we always figured was going to happen. We even talked about it a couple weeks ago how he was preparing to do it. He did it. Eight Republican votes combined with every Democratic vote ousted fucking Kevin McCarthy. We'll get to the reasons why in a minute. In case you're wondering, so the, the final vote was 216-210. Um, eight, Repu- eight Republicans that joined the Democrats are Kevin Buck, uh, Andy Biggs, Tim Burchett, your boy from uh, Tennessee, yeah. somebody named Crane, I don't know, Matt Gates, uh, somebody named Good, Nancy Mace, and somebody named Rosendale. Uh, I want, Ken Buck is an interesting player here because uh, he, he is a – He's been one of the lunatic members of Freedom Caucus for a long time. It's sort of emerged as a sane elder statesman in this context. Here he is over the weekend talking about why why there's so much dysfunction in the House. He laid the source at McCarthy's feet a few moments ago. I think that the the, um, 
the weaponization of government committee, the impeachment of, of the president are, are all distractions that will um, uh, make sure that the base is excited, make sure the base is donating money, make sure uh, that people don't focus on the dysfunction that we have uh, with a speaker who promises uh, something different to a lot of different groups and, and can't deliver. Right. So that's the same case for impeaching McCarthy is he's a lying sack of shit and no one can take him at his word. Nobody ever knows what's going on. All right. So when Buck cast his vote, he said he was a yes for now to House McCarthy because the assumption was that McCarthy was going to uh, uh, just try to run for it to get his job back and maybe have to make some more concessions, either the Democrats or the, the, the House crazies or somebody else. Bobert said she was a no for now. But anyway, McCarthy took it off the table because he just announced right before we, we went on that he's not going to uh, uh, run for the Speaker's office again. He quoted Lou Gehrig, I am the luckiest man alive, uh, luckiest man in the world speech, which is mm-hmm. like Lou Gehrig was coming into yeah. the acceptance stage of grief about his own life because he was dying of a disease so rare he was named after right. himself. Exactly. Kevin McCarthy was bad at his job and got fired from it. <laughs> right. Because also uh, the context of Lou Gehrig, like you said, he got a... a truly horrific disease that is so rare it's named for him so Mm -hmm. and so what made that quote so special was him like recognizing how blessed he had been otherwise right he's standing Mm -hmm. in front of all the fans and stuff and he's like you Mm -hmm. know i know how it looks but you know what i've had a fucking great run and i couldn't have asked for any more and i'm a truly lucky man it's like i don't feel like that applies to (laughs) to kevin mccarthy uh in this case it's uh, you know also first of all you're not dying horrifically but also your legacy is not quite lou gehrig's buddy i've also seen people like trying to just random people on twitter but like trying to like spin this against the democrats somehow it's like oh they're so they're like working with you know, the lunatic caucus on this or whatnot. Like it's like the Democrats responsibility to not allow yeah. the Republicans to tear themselves apart. Like, why wouldn't they do that? So of course, that's what, that's what they should do. You know, like it's up to, it's not their fault that the Republicans can't keep their house in order, keep their shit there's, together, you know? Okay. There's, there's four and 35 people in Congress. None of them, including Kevin McCarthy, trust Kevin McCarthy. You have three basic right. voting blocks. You got Democrats who don't trust Kevin McCarthy to stick to, to, to stick to deals he made. You got the eight crazies who voted to oust him or seven crazies plus Ken Buck who voted to oust him because they can't trust him, the commitments he made to them. Then you got the rest of the Republican caucus who doesn't trust him at all also, but just doesn't have a better idea. Right. Nobody wants Kevin McCarthy except for right. Kevin McCarthy. So like, anyway, the House adjourned. Uh, they're coming back next Tuesday. I guess they're doing a week cooling off period and they'll come back and try to figure out how the fuck they're going to be a <laughs> government institution. But so... Speaker of the House is third in line of the presidency, right? So if like yeah. Air Force One flew into Air Force Two tonight, uh, who do you think will be president if Biden and Kamala are dead? Oh yeah, I don't know. They got they got to have like an interim, right? Like an automatic a, interim or something. Fourth in line of succession, right before the Secretary of State is a, a President Pro Tem of the Senate, who is currently Patty Murray, the Senator from Washington. So uh, get ready for Commander in Chief Patty Murray, guys. <laughs> Uh, so this came after a very long, stupid weekend, which is the yeah. final nail in Kevin McCarthy's coffin. We don't need to play this next video, Matt. So they, we, they did manage to fund the government over the weekend with, uh, with no, they passed a continuing revolution, uh, resolution to fund the government for 45 more days. We have to do this all over again. Continuing revolution, uh, resolution admits any funding for, um, uh, any more funding for Ukraine. Uh, it was extremely dumb. Republicans tried to rush a continuing resolution through before people could read it. So Democrats are trying to delay so they could read the actual bill. In the middle of all this, Jamal Bowman pulled a fire yeah. alarm yeah. that like everyone lost their mind about, even though there was nobody's story about pulling the fire alarm made any sort of sense. 
like their idea that he did it to delay the vote doesn't make any sense because it was in a different building than the Capitol. No one could even hear it in the Capitol. You would not need to evacuate the Capitol for that. He says he was trying to take a shortcut through a door that's usually open. That's what set off the fire alarm. The signs were confusing. I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, like I'd read like, oh, they only gave him 15 minutes to read it. So he was trying to, you know, delay it for that reason because this was bullshit or whatnot. I didn't know it was in a whole different building, though. But I mean, dude, we've all seen those fire alarms. We all know what those look like. Like, you know, yeah. like my 10 year old knows better than and he's known better since he was six than the fucking pull right. those. They, they're big and, and red and say fire on them. Like, I don't know. Bowman any, I don't used to be a high school though. principal. He's presumably suspended kids for pulling a yeah, fire right. alarm. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't. So, the whole thing that. is just so fucking dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Republican Congressman Troy Neal's uh, tweeted a picture of himself holding up handcuffs like he was going to arrest Jamal Bowman. Uh, he did used to be a cop, but he was fired as a cop in Texas for destruction of evidence in 1998. Yeah. So the, <laughs> Makes sense. Hard. He is now in Congress. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it checks out. Every, nobody's theory really makes any sense here. I saw a picture of the sign. It did look a little confusing. It said, if you push this button, the door will open in 30 seconds. I don't know. Everybody's full of shit here. It doesn't, it didn't matter because it didn't make any, he voted for the bill. He wasn't trying to delay passage of it. They got 400 votes. Anyway, uh, after all this, Republicans were mad because they wanted to like more strict funding cuts. The, the, the 35 who didn't vote for it during which there were rumors that Gates was going to introduce this motion to vacate. (laughs) Over the weekend, Kevin McCarthy tweeted this you got this image matt uh it said bring it on guess what kevin <laughs> right it has been brought on yeah they they did in fact bring it on after that that's famous yeah. graphic of the 911 call when yeah you stab me stab me quote from man stabbed yes yeah i love a, i love a, i love a good quote from man stabbed moment and this is this one uh certainly yeah. qualifies but like People also I've seen a lot of people, a lot of like the, you know, lunatic contingent, like the, the caucus's base. They're thrilled about this, dude. They're, they're like, now we, we see now who's actually got balls in the party. And they're talking about eight people, you know, and then they're talking, we got to get rid of all these other 216. We got to get them out, you know, because we see who the real patriots are and that type of thing. And it's like, what? For what? Like, what did they? What did they do? What's going to happen? What big victory did they achieve by doing this? You know what I mean? They're just yeah. fucking holding the whole government hostage and fucking everything up for everybody, and people are loving it. Their people. They have Their accomplished nothing but cucking Kevin McCarthy, right. which is truly funny. I'm here for it, but just as far as how humiliating this is, it's the first time in U.S. in U.S. history a speaker has been removed through a motion to vacate. Uh, it's the shortest speakership since a guy named Michael C. Kerr, who served from uh, December 1875 to August 1876 because he died of tuberculosis. Uh, do you know how, <laughs> how hard you have to try to be the most embarrassing congressman in history named McCarthy? McCarthy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this is like this shit. It also so was kind of funny that McCarthy, you know, was like. Uh, the victim of something of a witch. Not really a witch, honey. Is a dipshit. But you know what I mean. Like they, they, they came for him or whatever. Yeah. This, this shit. We don't need to play this video back because we're running a little bit behind. But shit's so dumb that Fox News was saying nice stuff about Nancy Pelosi because she was able to manage a bare majority, roughly the same size, without being humiliated or losing any votes. Kevin McCarthy's so bad at his job. He was sitting in the house watching the vote results along with us, not knowing whether he was going to win or lose it. Your whole job is to count fucking votes. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, when they, when they voted him out, one of the dipshits was like, "Now what?" I don't know, man. You're the plant. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, the one. You're the yeah. one running the show. Yeah, uh, it's the dog so catching anyway. the car, man. You know what I mean? That's what Matt Gates and them are right now. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. Now what are you gonna do? 
So some guy named Patrick McHenry, Patrick McHenry, who's on the Financial Services Committee as a chairman, is now the Speaker Pro Tem. So he's totally in charge, sort of, although with no power, he can't really do anything. This is like the only thing I could remember in history that's close to this in uh, my living memory. It's traveling back up into the 90s, the middle of the Clinton impeachment saga. Newt Gingrich was discovered to have been cheating on his wife in the middle of an impeachment uh, you know, proceeding that was uh, at least partly about Bill Clinton cheating on his wife. Right. So, the next, guy, the next guy up was named Bob Livingston, who never assumed the speakership because he suddenly announced that Hustler had dug up his mistresses and he would <laughs> not just leave the speaker race, but quit entirely. And the guy that succeeded them was by the name of, uh, guy by the name of Dennis Hastert, who was found to be a serial yeah. child molester and spent 15 years in prison. Mm-hmm. The, the, the most effective Republican speaker in my lifetime was the one who was a serial child molester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There might be something wrong with his party, bud. I know. Um, so... If people don't follow, like, let's walk through why nobody likes him or trusts him. So here's a, here's the the, the the sequence of events in a nutshell. So back in January, he made an agreement with hardline conservatives, some of which the, the terms of the deal that have never been made public. So we don't even know what they were, but that's what he he gave them a bunch of stuff to get their support as speaker. Then right. in May, McCarthy made a public agreement with Democrats to set their federal budget at a certain level in order to avert a default in the national debt. In September, though. Under pressure from hard, the conservative hardliners, McCarthy attempted to get further spending cuts that he promised the Democrats not to go for. That's what led up to the government shutdown. Then he ultimately conceded to Democrats and helped pass a funding bill that largely did not include any of the cuts the hardliners wanted. And those are the same cuts that McCarthy had originally in May told Democrats he wouldn't seek. So he'd lied to everybody every step of the way, depending on what the day he needed to get through the day. And that's why yeah. nobody was going to vote to save his fucking ass. All right. Um, so the person I do kind of think though, do you think like, I mean, again, dude, um, I'm, I've got my, you know, major schadenfreude over this fuck Kevin McCarthy and all that. But as far as this, you know, the crazy caucus goes, the ones that kind of holding them hostage and the whole party hostage, I mean, he gave them that thing where it's like, it only takes one vote to, you know, to bring up the motion to vacate or whatever. So he was always like at their, uh, beck and call, which sucks, but like, I don't, like, I don't know how you do handle those those people. That's their whole thing is that they're, you know, uh, they're like unreasonable. So, like, they're going to have their hardliner demands that are just not, you know, realistic, but they're not going to back off of them either. So, I mean, it, this is like this is what they deserve. This is what they've built. You know what I mean? Over well, the past few years, they've like let these wolves into the hen house or fox, however the fuck the thing goes. And now they have to, you know, reckon with it. And I don't know how they're going to actually do that him well, or whoever takes over next you know well going back to ken buck's critique of him he's essentially saying mccarthy is so spineless and weak that he could not manage these people now like i don't know how you do it but that's the fucking job and mccarthy right. asked for it yes right so sure. like in normal times what you do is somebody like gage is acting up and you need his votes to pass the bill you go to him and say hey matt uh i'll give you a better committee next congress if you go along with this, but if you don't, you're going to get a well-funded primary challenger and no uh, and no campaign funding from the uh, NRCC, right? And then he'd be like, "Okay, I'll fall in line," or like you just go tell him like, "We we need this. We'll get you. I'll get you next time." The problem is you couldn't probably you couldn't promise anything because they didn't trust him. Plus, he already gave Gates all the cool committee chairmanships just to get speakers, just to get in there. Yeah, right. So he could, he had nothing left to give him. And right. he wasn't willing to give. He could have probably saved his speakership if he'd given Democrat stuff and gotten their votes to stay on. 
but right. he, he didn't want to give because he thought that he would he correctly understood that would be seen by Fox News as being a traitor for giving up right. whatever he gave Democrats to save himself. And that's why his big speech to the uh, the, the Congressional Caucus, he was saying that's why he's a big hero because he didn't negotiate with Democrats. All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Matt Gates is the real driving force, as we talked about here. Like Gates beef with him largely feels is personal because Kevin McCarthy didn't defend him enough when he was accused of being a sex criminal. So, but like this is how weak of a speaker McCarthy was. He was deposed by like a Nepo baby with a balloon head uh, and a fake ID machine for underage girls. They mm-hmm. had, there's nothing he could do to stop it. Uh, but everyone's really mad at Matt Gates over this because this is a total self-inflicted wound, led, uh, wound led by one asshole. Uh, John Cornyn called efforts to oust McCarthy disgraceful and compared him to terrorist attacks. Uh, this uh, congressman from New York named Anthony Desposito, uh, leaving McCarthy's ass last night, said the media went well. And the consensus is that Matt Gates is an asshole. And here's a video Chip Roy posted this this evening, essentially challenging Matt Gates to a fight. <laughs> yeah, parking lot, 6 p.m. Yeah. Come at me and call me a rhino. You can kiss my ass. Look, I've spent a lifetime fighting for limited government conservatism. I have laid it all on the line. I've not seen my family but for two days in the last 30 days. You go around talking your big game and you thumping your chest on Twitter. Yeah, come to my office and come have a debate, mother. You know why? Because I'm standing up for this country he every single bad. day. He said motherfucker but bleeped in his own video for reasons mm-hmm. I can't really understand. Uh, so as far as what happens next, I don't know if anyone knows. Like, I thought McCarthy would just get his job back, and it's probably the most likely outcome because I don't know who's left, who wants it, and both could get the votes. Uh, I'm guessing Steve Scalise. But, like, he could have just either given some, some token, like, concessions to Democrats, like a few more committee members or something, or just sit through 20 round, 25 rounds of voting until someone murders Matt Gates. Both <laughs> of those are better plans than whatever it is he was going to do. Like, part of the reason... <laughs> The galaxy brain centrists are blaming Democrats for this because the majority of votes take up from Democrats, but you don't have to, like, they don't want McKibben Morgan to be speaker. You can just vote your conscience here. Like, yeah, nothing, right. Nothing's yeah. in your control. And any of those Republicans could choose to caucus with Democrats, right. make Hakeem Jeffries the speaker, and everything would be roughly normal. You can still vote the way you want to on bills. Hakeem Jeffries would have to give you, uh, you know, concessions to get on what bills come to the floor. Because if you don't vote for them, Democratic votes don't have to pass them. That's what kills me about this whole thing is like it's I know this isn't this just is not the way it works in America, especially right now. But like I watch all this and I'm like, you think, again, some of these more moderate Republicans that still somehow exist, the rhinos, as Gates and them Mm -hmm. would call them, that are in the Congress, like would have an opportunity. And I know that like Hakeem Jeffries, like today or yesterday, like he like called for this from them, but like they have an opportunity to, like you said, like actually work with the Democrats just a little bit, just to make some shit happen after everybody has seen what it looks like, what this looks like and how embarrassing and humiliating it all should be and how like Mm -hmm. circus like it all is. And then to then turn around and actually accomplish some shit for a while and, and return some semblance of sanity to the House of Representatives, I would think would be like a good move. But I know that they're like, well, we can't do that. We can't. It's like except McCarthy's like claiming himself to be a hero because he did not work with Democrats. It's like that's a death uh-huh. sentence. What reaching across the aisle is a fucking death sentence now. And that's a that's a real bummer. I, th- I thought for a little bit when they're kicking around this power sharing idea, which I'll explain in a minute, but like I thought we we're gonna get like 
my dream of a parliamentarian, parliamentarian system for a second. It's like, are we going to have like five parties and a coalition government? Fuck yeah, yeah. let's do this. So, because people came around the idea of like a like Democrats vote for McCarthy and in exchange get a few committee chairmanships or maybe a few more members on committees or something. So, like, essentially, that McHenry guy who's now the Speaker pro tem in the House, like, blame Democrats for voting to Alice McCarthy instead of like trying to get one of those deals. You have Republicans saying, just vote to save McCarthy. But he said, I understand where the liberals are. I know you support uh, I know you support the constitutional order, except in a moment like this. You can't be counting in a moment like this. Bro, it's the members of your why? own party you're mad at. Right, exactly. Like why why would they do that? It's like you said, they're not they're not like offering them anything. They're not giving them a reason to do that other than just like oh, really you're gonna let them pull this off? Like, I don't know. Like I don't even know what the rationale is supposed to be. They're just like getting <laughs> pissy because Democrats are not saving their ass. Yeah, but for to what end? Why would they? What reason do they have for doing it? They there isn't one. So it's not it's not the Democrats' job to solve an right. internal GOP drama right. to save the ass of a speaker they can't trust and no one exactly likes. exactly. Uh, yes, plus McCarthy's done stuff like keep Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, and uh, Ilhan Omar off committees for completely bullshit bullshit partisan reasons. So that's the sort of thing that people remember. Why are they going to save your ass personally when, like, it doesn't materially change anything? The House still won't pass any sensible bills. I mean, I know it's what you said all this earlier, but that, right, it's like he, they, the, you know, the the people in his own party get pissed at him because, like, oh, you're working with the Democrats too much. But he doesn't keep his word to the Democrats either. So he just, like, he pisses everybody off. And this is what happens, you know? Yeah. Like, the other the other things people were floating around the Democrats could ask for is like a commitment that the uh, National Republican Campaign Committee wouldn't spend in some vulnerable districts in 2024, which I don't know why you trust McCarthy's word on that. Yeah, right. Um, uh, they suggested some policy concessions like a reinstated child tax credit, which the whole point of this fight was Republicans wanted 30 percent funding cuts across the board for every domestic spending program. They're not going to like give you a child tax credit in exchange for Kevin McCarthy to stay speaker. That's the kind of, that's the thing they're mad at Kevin McCarthy for giving up in the first place. He didn't even give it to him. Uh, but like one of the things they're floating around for people to uh, Democrats to ask for in exchange for Kevin McCarthy in, 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 uh, in the role of speaker is an end to the Biden impeachment hearings. The impeachment inquiry has been a huge disaster. For right. so far. Or them. Yes, keep doing keep it. They're right. and they're making <laughs> themselves look bad with it. Like, and it, it's clearly not going to actually go anywhere. So, what kind of offer is that? Like, it's not like it's really making Biden look bad. It's the only people it's making look bad is them. So, why would like, the Democrats they, make shit about that? They had the first day hearings, and their first main witness, their constitutional legal experts. Yeah. Oh, I don't <laughs> see proof here for anybody. Yeah, <laughs> they they got caught fabricating text messages. Steve Bannon saw poorly at win and called them feckless losers for doing it this way. And one of the Democrats challenged uh, one of the witnesses, the same constitutional scholar, and, and asked him, have you ever advocated for polygamy being legal on religious grounds? And did you ever defend one polygamist who'd raped a 13-year-old girl? And you had to say, yeah. So, like, this has all, like, been horrific. I, said, I don't understand, like... Democrats played no role in here except doing what they were supposed to do, which when your when your opponents are doing an own goal, fucking let them. Like we're coming up on like right. a very important, very important election in Virginia. We're leading it into an election year. Anything that makes Republicans look at, correctly asinine that breaks through the media noise, people can see how crazy these people are, is good because it's hard to get that through. So I'm happy Democrats get to politics for once. So yeah, yeah, hell yeah, Matt. Just some questions and comments up there. You had something a minute ago. I don't know if that was a. A misclick or what? Because I didn't have time to read it. Um, oh. But yeah, hey, okay. Mandy Groller says it would be absolutely hilarious if Hakeem Jeffries is somehow elected speaker. 
in a same government, like like there's like I don't know 15, 20 Republicans who were in districts that Biden won. It would make absolute sense for them to like you don't have to change parties. You can go independent and caucus the Democrats to have a sane speaker if they can pass stuff in regular order. And again, like I said earlier, you don't have to vote for very liberal bills you're uncomfortable with. You can vote your conscience. You just have sane people in charge. That's what would happen in like a parliamentary system, like you know the UK or something, or Canada or France. And like it's, it's like things don't have to be this nonsense. Well, these people um, feel so beholden to the the lunacy of the MAGA, you know, contingent and whatnot. Maybe those are in districts like that. They're in like just general like moderate suburban districts or wherever they are, you know, maybe consider switching to independent or something if they've done generally okay. You know what I mean? Because uh, I don't know. feels like that. Because then you don't have to worry about being like, fuck those dipshits. I'm not going to worry about that. Um, but I don't mm. know. Uh, DJBT says hating McCarthy is the most bipartisan issue of our time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did want to t- mention this story. So good. Uh, obsessed for Disneyland. Oh, you must know my wife says you have four consecutive failed Republican speakers, McCarthy, Ryan, Boehner and Gingrich. Oh, for four. Two, two things are true, but it seems like an, wrangling these bunch of idiot cats seems like an impossible job. But also the Kevin McCarthy was terrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. Uh, I I do want to because like he feels like um a character from like Fargo like William H Macy's character he just tells he just lies to the person in front of him to get to the next moment mm-hmm. with no plan for how to solve the problem in total and like if you're honest with people and being like I understand you want to pass this bill we do not have the votes <laughs> as opposed to being like oh sure we'll get to it it's like just fucking yeah uh, yeah. I mean, it's what he's been trying to do the whole time, you know, like you said, just like get to the next moment, just saying mm-hmm. and doing whatever it takes just to get past this point. And it became untenable, you know, pretty quickly. Margaret Grigsby says, is Mark's hat San Antonio sod poodles? I, it's a uh, I just saw the hat and a hat website I, I, I visit sometimes and like it's it's a I believe it's a minor league baseball team in Clearwater, Florida. But that's uh, obviously a shout out to the surfing, the the cool skateboarding dog from The Simpsons. That's probably why I got into it. <laughs> I found the Amarillo side poodles. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, Melissa Bean Felder says, "Can we nominate the Republican gentleman from New York you showed last week, saying all the folks are insane?" You, I think eventually, like these, you have to get together with donors and being like, "This is unmanageable. We can't pass your evil tax cuts. We can't defund children's lunches because these people are too unruly." So, can you stop? Help us defeat them, Koch brothers, and so forth. That, like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's in total a battle system, but I do know it's less chaotic and uh, will be less likely everything fucking collapses. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, Margaret Gregory says, oh yeah, Amarillo, my bad. Yeah, that's a side poodles. It looks like a different thing that Mark's got going on there. But yeah, we said, we've talked before about how like you would think that some of those puppet master types, the big business, small government types who just want their taxes to be as low as possible and all that shit. Like that they would, they couldn't, you would think they could not be super on board with all this fucking abject lunacy that's going on mm-hmm. with like their chosen party. You know what I mean? It's like, no, we want everything to keep running because we want to keep making money. We're not trying to fucking mm-hmm. tear everything apart, but I don't know. I don't know where they're at on it. Uh, Nigel Lynette says, please don't refer to Canada's government at the moment as sane, even though it's a coalition, it's still seen by some as an autocracy. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, I should, I just meant like in general, I think parliamentary systems um, are a little more effective, even if a little bit more chaotic. I mean, someone made the point that like, this is kind of what democracy looks like. It's supposed to look a little messy like this and maybe we're a little too early, but like, I just like, I, I <laughs> this is just funny. Ex-Vangela Carroll says Republicans are the party that says government doesn't work, then they get elected and prove it. Yeah. That's, it that's what I was saying. Yeah. It's like on the uh, Ron Swanson's character on Parks and Rec was this hardcore libertarian, but he worked for the government, the local government. But his whole thing was like, "That's why I just don't do my job." Uh, like, that's right. why you know what I mean. Like, I just that's so. But like these people, this is real life, and they seem to have the same uh, general yeah. attitude towards it. I mean, that's why, like, we talked about Bob and Bob last week. I was like trying to make the point that like it's much worse than Democrats do corruption like this because it like helps Republican cause in two ways. You know, and it decreases faith in government and increases the likelihood they pick up your seat. Yep. Um, Clayton uh, Adami or Adami uh, says, like and subscribe. Thank you for that, Clayton. Forget every single week. Smash that like button, guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Holler at the Patreon, all that good stuff. Lisa Martin Bradley says, Trump sounds like one of those guys on the corner shouting, the end is coming. He does seem to be yeah. getting, well, I don't know if I want to say more unhinged, because he's always been pretty unhinged. I know we're cherry picking. This dude spends no telling how many hours just up there rambling, and we get some, you know, choice quotes from it. But some of the shit he's talking about lately is like, bro, what? <laughs> and he dials it down for his public appearances. Like, when, it, when we put stuff in writing, like, no one's on true social, so no mm-hmm. one sees it. But, like, he's full on, like, Joe Biden is a pedophile, eats baby brains, level QAnon shit now. Like, it's not even, like. Like Trump, if you put in a lot of touch, he might believe that he is president and he has sent Joe Biden to Gitmo and Joe Biden has been replaced with a clone. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I know we skipped it earlier, but there was a thing in the rundown that we didn't have time for about uh, RFK Jr. maybe running as an independent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Stevens says the GOP is going to self-immolate to the point that those who left will have to form another party. Maybe they can revive the Whigs. You fan of the Whigs, Mark? How about the Know Nothings? Remember the Know Nothings? Well, Trump has essentially picked up the the, the the Know Nothing. I mean, like, I don't mean that as a joke. As far as he knows, nothing of that's true. But like, there there were like, you know, uh, we hate immigrants. America's full mm-hmm. party before Trump. So that's sort of he is or is the Know Nothing party. But anyway, the um, RFK Jr. is an independent thing. I see that and I'm like, oh fuck, that ain't good. But like, evidently, they've done some polling that seems to indicate that. It's at, at, at worst a toss-up over who that would actually hurt more, Biden or Trump, if he actually did do that. Yeah, it hurt Trump. Like the polling seems to show it hurts Trump worse, which makes sense because, like, uh, if you, if you're a single-issue anti-vax voter, uh, the Biden's the worst worse than Trump. But Trump also created the vaccine and has said nice stuff about vaccines because he wants credit for you know Operation Warp Speed. So it sort of it makes sense to me that he would take more votes away from Trump. Plus, like. I wanted to talk about the reason I brought up the John Kelly and Joe and uh, Joe Biden speech earlier is like one of the reasons I'm not super nervous about polling the shows like so-called polls show Trump up a little bit or whatever is the campaign hasn't started and people haven't been paying attention to Trump. Once Trump gets out speaking in public, saying the shit about sharks eating shark being yeah. eaten by sharks and shit, he's found guilty. He's complaining about judges. Uh, the Democrats are cutting campaign ads with his former chief of staff, who's a decorated Marine general, saying he's a threat to the republic. Like shit's going to look differently in a year. You know, yeah. assuming everything else holds, like Biden's still alive and shit, and, and, and you know, hasn't come out that Joe made a sex tape with Hunter and the prostitutes or something. So, yeah, yeah. Well, 
your lips to the fake Lord's ears, buddy. I mean, I, you know, mm. I agree with you. Don't mean to imply otherwise, but yeah. All right. Well, listen, y'all want to, uh, before we get out of here, say once again, a couple of things. First of all, thanks for being here. Listen, if you want to see me out on the road and you should, it's a lot of fun. Go to TreyCrowder.com. Check out all my upcoming dates. Also at TreyCrowder.com, you can find a link to me and Corey's new book around here and over yonder. Uh, it's a funny hillbilly travel guide. If you would like, oh, I forgot to say this earlier. Uh, if you watch this show only, but if you have podcast apps at all, if you go on your podcast app and subscribe to the show, the audio version, even if you don't listen to it, keep watching, but subscribe to it. It uh, could potentially help us and it costs you nothing. It's a click of the button. And then lastly, if uh, you want to support the show, um, you can go to Patreon and look me up or go to weeklyskews.com slash more. $5 a month, full-length bonus episodes. It's a lot of fun. You get some more skews in your life. But the main thing is keep coming back here every skews day watching the main show. You keep doing it. We'll keep showing up. So we'll see you next time. Love you. Bye.